Hello everyone, this is Jared Albrecht, the Yard Sale Artist, welcoming you to a Long Box Crusade Elseworlds episode. a long box crusade elseworlds you might ask well some of your favorite long box crusade members have done some work over on some other podcast networks that you may or may not be familiar with so from time to time we will grab a show from the past that one or all of us has done on one of those other networks and we'll play it for you here whether it's a james bond rookie agent show from on her majesty's secret podcast network or a comics with normies from white rocket entertainment network or some other bit of alternate dimension craziness, we hope that you enjoy this presentation of Longbox Crusade Elseworlds. Hi, this is Simon Jowett, writer of James Bond comic books for Dark Horse, and you are listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. Welcome back to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host for this program, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe. And joining me as veteran Bondophile co-host is my brother, Jason, the Weasel Skull, the Coyote Killer, Albrecht. Jason, what's the most 007 thing you've done since last episode? Well, besides killing that coyote, I would say, well, it's not a body thing, but I've got a concern. I've got a question, and I got to direct this question to Pat, because as listeners of our shows may know, Pat is always bleeping out my spotted <laughs> references. Bleep. So I'm wondering what he's going to oh, do with Octo. <laughs> is Octo going to get bleeped every time I say Octo? is going to bleep the word octop <laughs> to you, Pat. <laughs> oh. uh, I don't know how to respond to that. <laughs> you know, this is a name of a movie, and it's a name of a marine animal. Kind of. Kind of. Jason, there you go. There is your fix action. What you have to do then is just simply produce a movie called Spot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once that's in canon, we're good to go. Could that be Felix Leiter's next film? <laughs> hmm, maybe. <laughs> Something to think about. Let's talk. We need to have a collaboration. We'll have your people get with my people. Yes, which is <laughs> you and me. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We'll talk. <laughs> well, this episode is the 13th 
of our ongoing series on this channel called MI6 Rookie Agents. On Rookie Agents, Jason and I are taking two of our friends that you've just heard from who are not very familiar with the 007 universe through the entire James Bond series, one movie at a time, to get that newcomer's point of view on the film series that we love so much here at On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. So let's welcome, officially welcome, our rookie agents to the show. We'll start with Delvin, the Dark Web, Felix Slider, Silver Hands, Pop Pop Hiss, Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How are you, Jared? <laughs> I'm good, man. Have you done anything Bondian since last we recorded? Well, I'm in the middle of a cross-country journey of sorts. I just got back from Christmas holiday in the lovely winter climbs of San Antonio, Texas. Oh. Yeah. I mean, it's nice and wintry there. I mean, I think it got all the way down to like, I don't know, 65 degrees. <laughs> I know. I was considering putting on sleeves, and it was like, ooh, ooh should I? Should I not? Um, if you had another 100 of that, it would have been the temperature of the room that you put me up in during the Heroes Cup. <laughs> Look, you were telling me that you wanted help losing a little weight, and I gave you some help. You know, you did it that. You did it that. That's all. That's all. Be lucky that there wasn't, like, any bunny and machine for you to, like, get trapped on, you know? Like in Thunderball when he's all stretched out. <laughs> Yes. Help! Help! I felt more like the guy that got trapped in the uh... <laughs> sauna machine. <laughs> yeah, a little hot box. <laughs> But to continue, I'm back home now, and I'm going to be flying out tomorrow, heading to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, to watch a uh, certain team that we love in their bowl game. So that will complete my cross-country trip. That will be as James Bond as I, I have gotten since we have last talked. Mm, any news on your Felix Leiter front? Well, yes. So for our, our next Felix Leiter production, a Alfred Poindexter. As a kid, he was acutely nearsighted, and he was teased mercilessly for it. And he vowed revenge, and it was a slow-burning revenge. He was very smart, and he went to NASA. He concocted this plan to take over a space station and populate it with those who were teased just like him. Uh So, the next Felix Leiter production will be called For Four Eyes Only. Dog. I took a long walk for that terrible towel. That was a long walk, but it was a good, ended up in a good destination. I approve. Oh, wow. While the audience recovers from that, let's go check in on Pat, DJ Christatos Samson. Welcome back to the show, Pat. Thank you for letting me back. And I think I got a chance on that moon base for Delvin's moon base there. That's right. I got four glasses. I'm pretty good. I'm in. in. For four eyes eyes only. Only for you. Pat, have you done anything Bond-like? I don't know if I mentioned this the last time, but I've been doing some heavy telecommunications, computer processing stuff, been Mm -hmm. doing a lot of editing lately. So that's been keeping me busy. I've been having to do a lot of bleeping. What? (laughs) A lot of bleeping, bleeping? Yeah, a lot of bleeping, bleeping. You know, just going over the audio tape, listening to it, looking for any secret messages that Jason tries to sneak in. Mm, he's bad about that. That's all I've been doing. Keep my head down. Somebody's got to be in the trenches reviewing those audio files for Her Majesty's <laughs> government, so good for you. We're planning on releasing this show monthly as a companion to the show that Van Allen Plexico and Alan Porter are doing. They're currently doing one 007 film per month as we build towards the release date of Bond 25 on February 14th, 2020. And this show will do the same, just getting a fresh look at the 007 series through the eyes of our newcomers. So if you 
you want a more in-depth and academic look into the film series, complete with a host that has an actual British accent, stay tuned to and subscribe to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. We also do other fun spin-off shows where we do James Bond celebrity interviews, World Cup of Bond films, other 007 whimsy that pops in our heads. Basically, this is your channel for 360 degrees of Bond, but let's get to today's film, Octopussy. But before we get our mission brief from Agent Jason, he's going to jump right into the action with no parachute in a segment called What Makes You Say That? I'm now aiming precisely at your groin, so speak or forever hold your peace. So, on what makes you say that, my double O brother is a magician when it comes to Bond scripts, and what I like to do is give him a line from a Bond movie, and he tells me what line came before it. Plenty of other shows play a game where you give the line that comes after it. We find that to be too easy. We like Jason to rewind the film in his head and say what line came before it. If it doesn't make sense to you, it will in a second. Jason, are you ready? Ready. And here we go. I know he won't be disappointed. I think I know the scene. I think it's... General's going to get a big blast out of this. I <laughs> got it. Got nice, it. man. Spence. Nice. <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. So here's your medium level hard one. Okay. You're so right. I'm thinking that it's Magda. It's right before she does the backflip off of the mm, window ledge. That's correct. That's <laughs> I'm, just, correct. I'm trying to think of what he says to her. Action, speak loud. There you go. That's there. It. <laughs> I got it. Well, good job, Agent Jason. Please give us a quick mission briefing on Octopussy. The next subject on the agenda is the continuing mutual disarmament talks with NATO. This is absolute madness. We know where it will end. NATO will counterattack with nuclear weapons. Who are you? I'm British Secret Service. I only 007. You'll be replacing 009. He turned up dead in East Germany. The West is decadent. It has no stomach to risk our atomic reprisals. What can you tell me about Kamal Khan? Exile Afghan prince, sportsman. How do I get you? Mr. Bond. James Bond. Who is he? Englishman. Likes eggs. Mr. Bond is indeed a very rare breed. Soon to be made extinct. Bring him here. You are the mysterious octopus. And you are James Bond. 007 license to kill. Am I to be your target for tonight? You have a nasty habit of surviving. Get one. 007. On the roof. He must be eliminated at once. Take him. You should be more concerned about getting out of here alive. I am more concerned about an atomic bomb in a U.S. Air Force base. It's too late. You surely can't be inviting a full-scale nuclear war. What happens when the U.S. retaliates? Against whom? Let the sport commence. You don't mind if we start? 
definitely have to pay the visit. So when Special Agent 009 turns up at the British Embassy, dressed as a clown, with a knife in his back and a forged Fabergé egg in his hand, M has a few questions and dispatches James Bond to find out what is going on. Following the clue of the egg, Bond finds himself in India, squaring off against a ruthless Indian prince and a beautiful smuggler with a link to 007's past. What originally looks to be a routine jewelry smuggling operation is soon revealed to be a sinister plot by a renegade Soviet general to set off an atomic bomb on the American airbase in West Germany. Bond teams up with Faithful Q, new friends Vijay and Sadrudin, and a gorgeous jewel smuggler named Octopussy in a high-stakes thriller that includes a thrilling chase through the streets of India, a high-flying aerial duel, a manhunt through the Indian jungle, and a deadly fight on top of a moving train. Octopussy wrapped its tentacles around 68 million in the U.S. and 120 million worldwide, beating out the Sean Connery-led Never Say Never Again. The producers were getting anxious, however, as Roger Moore's contract was up and he was getting tired of the role. The cast included Roger Moore as James Bond, Maud Adams as Octopussy, Louis Jordan as Kamal Khan, Kabir Beta as Gobinda, Vijay Amritaj as Vijay, Stephen Bekoff as Orlov, <laughs> Lois Maxwell as Ms. Moneypenny, Desmond Llewellyn as Q, and Robert Brown as the new M. Back to you, Jared. Thank you for that, Agent Jason. Now, let's find out what our rookie agents thought about this one in our segment called Declassified. Do you expect me to talk? We're going to break this movie into a few pieces to get the insights of our rookie agents, and then Agent Jason is going to give us his overall insights, along with a few Bond Bombs of trivia, before leading Agent Delvin and Agent Pat into their scoring rounds. We're going to break the rookie review discussions up into the following sections. We're going to talk a little bit about pre-title sequence, the song in the opening credits, and then Jared's Choice, where I pick something I think is stand out from this film and get the rookie's opinions on it, and then we'll have their overall opinions of the film. So, rookie agents, what did you guys think about this pre-title sequence? And we'll start with Pat. I liked it. I thought it was some fun action going on. I liked how the horse butt came up and got a little pain came up. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it was fine. Just fine from Pat. What do you think, Delvin? Mostly agreed. I thought the plane was cool. The bad guy with that heat-seeking missile. That wasn't cool, uh, or it wouldn't have been for James. But he was very crafty, and now he went back to the base to get rid of that heat-seeking missile and got rid of it in a pretty fun, spectacular fashion. Then, of course, they added the Roger Bond uh, Roger Bond. You know what? <laughs> it works. <laughs> it, it does work. It really does. But Roger Moore, Bond, and him having his his little laugh at the end of it. So, it was a good scene. I'm just going to reveal something right up front here. Kind of like Jason is for Moonraker. I'm kind of a homer for Octopussy. This is the first one I saw in the theater as a kid. When I was little, our neighbors actually took Jason and I to see this. I think her sister was maybe two years old. And I suspect my parents just wanted the two boys out of the house for her sanity purpose and pawned us off on the neighbors. <laughs> but this was my first big screen bond. So, rookie agents, what do you think about the theme song and the opening credits sequence? And I guess we'll let Delvin throw in his two cents first, and then we'll hit up Pat. Great. Rita Coolidge did the song, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. Not a bad song. Not really a great one either. <laughs> I agree with that assessment. <laughs> yeah. I just listened to it and it just, it didn't seem memorable in any way. They could have played house music. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have been just about the same. <laughs> How'd you like that? <laughs> Was that the house music? Yeah. Not bad. 
We should definitely dub that over <laughs> the song lyrics on Octopussy, and we'd probably have a hit there. What do you think, Pat? Delvin, are you saying that all you wanted was a sweet distraction for like an hour or two minutes? Oh, boy. <laughs> he had no intention to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at first I was like, wait, is that? Oh, oh wait, that's a joke. That's a, that's a joke from the lyrics of the song. It's a song I've heard before, just from you know radio listening, probably around in this time frame that it was out. It took me a while to figure out who sang it, so I had to kind of watch in the credits to see it again, because I'm like, I know that the voice sounded familiar, but I really didn't know who it was. As far as what's going on with the picture that they show and all that, this one wasn't, I don't know, it was alright. It's not a big grabber, but, I would agree with No, and they're using this, I don't know, and, hey, we got a laser, let's do this laser thing here with the couple of seven, you know. <laughs> it was the early and, age, I, man. That laser yeah. was dope back then. <laughs> and, and I think they're on roller skates, aren't they? They don't really show up, but you can only move like that if you're on roller skates or something. <laughs> I don't have any answers. I think Maurice Bender really just wanted to look at naked ladies for <laughs> extended periods of time. I think he was phoning it in by Octopus. <laughs> You're probably right. Pat, do you have a question about the song for the group, maybe? Ah, uh, sure. Let's go ahead and see what everybody's rating is for this song of All Time High by Rita Coolidge. Let's start with Jason. This is going to be a one through seven. Okay. Middle of the road for me. Like Jared, I'm a little bit of a homer. I think I was about 13, 12 or 13 when this movie came out. This was 83, right? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that would make me 12. Because I do remember listening for it on the radio like I did with Free Your Eyes Only. Mostly just because it was the James Bond song and I loved it but when you compare it to the other songs there are several that are way better than this one so I'm going to give it 004 <laughs> Jared? Pretty much in the same camp as Jason I might be just a little harsher a judge because it just has a really soft sound and I don't mind soft sounds like Free Eyes Only but this one seems particularly soft for a Bond so I'm going to go 3 if we did halvesies I'd put it at 3-5 but we don't do halvesies ever No, no. So <laughs> I'm going to go just a little more salty and go <laughs> for a three. What do you think, Delvin? I'm being nice, and I'll give it a four. See, For Your Eyes Only was, I wouldn't say it was soft, at least. I mean, it was a slower song, but Sheena Easton has a powerful voice. This one just kind of seemed airy and light and just kind of just there. So, yeah, it gets a four. Pat, what do you got? You know, the more I think about all these Bond songs, now I think I'm going to start kind of thinking to myself, is this a song that when you play it, you're either going to dance to it? Like, I know we got some good songs coming up. Can't wait for that one. Um, (laughs) I think I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, it's a I mean, it's... It's a good jam. Everybody loves it. But Well, you know you can roller skate to this one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But would it be a girl's choice or boy's choice? I don't know. Is is That's the question. Is it a song you could actually dance to, like this slow song? Would you actually go out and dance to this song with your lady? I'd go Only with your it. lady. It'd be weird if you were by yourself. I was about to say, I was just about to say, I usually dance to it by myself. <laughs> Yeah, you can do that move. That's a genuine agent move to do. You want to make it look like you're hiding and not watching anything. You do, you do that move. But I, I'm trying to think, you know, like for your eyes only, I could see dancing to that song. And I have. You, know, you have? By myself. Okay. <laughs> so you could do that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to give this a four. Oh, man. I can't believe I was the low score on this. Now I feel bad. You should feel I bad. I wouldn't feel scared. bad. I think tune-wise, it probably was about a three, but I'm just fully admitting my nostalgia. Yeah. Just, yeah. I actually had it on record at one point. Oh, oh wow. So you guys did dance to it by yourselves. Well. I still have it on record. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I generally base my Bond songs off of like when I put the Bond 
on CD or if I pull up the playlist on my phone, do I skip to it? Do I skip past it? <laughs> That's kind of. <laughs> do I suffer through it? I don't think I've ever once been like, man, I'm skipping right to all time high. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever once done that. That is an ironic name for this song because it's an all time snoozer. It's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it reaches no high point at all. And there was like one point at the end where she tried to like go to pour that power note. And it was just like, uh, nah, 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 nah. <laughs> like, ooh, ooh. Uh, well. <laughs> that went to your wheelhouse, was it, baby girl? Okay. <laughs> Bless your heart. Well, as we've discussed, something that I've discovered taking the journey with you guys, with the rookie agents, with the new guys, which is great eye-opening for me. I've learned that the Bond films oftentimes will react very strongly to something. We kind of had that, I said soft, but it was maybe not the right word, but the Sheena Easton song, maybe more feminine. I don't know how to say it. And then this one kind of even went further in that direction. And then on the next movie, they're going to move it back to the loud, action-y sound. I think that's the one Pat's looking forward to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thinking about, yeah. That one you can dance to. Yeah. Right into the fire. Right into the fire. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get to that. It's all we need. We're skipping steps. Roller there skating. I remember roller skating. <laughs> You know what? We'll put that fire on the back burner for now. Well, let's get to the Jared's Choice segment for this week. I want to ask the rookie agents. I got a real easy question for you because you just got to pick one or the other this week. What's the coolest scene in which Bond is a pilot? And I'm letting you pick from because there's only two really strong ones, in my opinion, unless Jason thinks of one that I haven't thought of. I would say him. Well, not to this point. (laughs) Right. To this point. Correct. Yeah. I would like you to pick from either him flying the gyrocopter and you only live twice, little Nelly, or the acro jet in the opening credits of Octopus. Did you like the helicopter duel or did you like the fast paced tension of the heat seeking missile chasing the acro jet? And I'll let Delvin say which one he liked better first. Ooh. If I'm looking just in overall canon, and for me, the canon is 13 movies now, uh-huh. I'll say Little Nelly is going to be more memorable hmm. than the heat-seeking missile one. And I had to think about that. Uh, Q came out and did it and everything and introduced it. It was a little bit funner and cooler than just a sudden surprise of this one. But it's close. But I'll go with Little Nelly. Agent Sampson? Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a tough one, too. Yeah. I know. I know. It's... it's- <laughs> They're very different. Well, and especially after watching this one right now, mm-hmm. that you know, it's stuck in my mind. I'm trying to remember the, the little Nelly one. Hmm. I like how cool little Nelly is because mm-hmm. it had a little more gadgets and stuff on it than what this jet did. Mm-hmm. But True. this jet was fast and was mm-hmm. kind of fun. Hmm, boy. You know what? I'm going to go with this one. There's nothing I'm wrong with go- that, my friend. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. No, uh, nothing at all. Because it kept its action, and you were kind of, okay, how's it going to get rid of the you know this missile that's following him? I got to tell you, I guess in 1983, it would have been six-year-old Jared ate it up with a spoon mm-hmm. when he went flying through that hangar, and then he tipped over hard to the right so he could squeeze between the doors. And it, yeah, it looked like the door was even smaller than what it was. <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I'd like to have a little jet like that. We all would. Let's let Agent Jason come in here and, and give his two cents. A little Nelly or the Acro Jet? I know what he's going to pick. <laughs> Do you now? I feel like you're a Nelly man to the bone. Man, it's getting hot in here. <laughs> no, actually, I'm going to pick Acro Jet on this one. Really? I am Ooh. shocked. I'm genuinely shocked. Oh, I love the little Nelly scene. Don't get me wrong. And you have Q. At the end of the day, the Nelly scene is just set up to show the weapons and then the helicopter explodes and then they show another weapon and then another helicopter explodes. 
And that's cool. But this acrojet scene, when you see, you know, how they put that together, and considering that he did this in 1983, it still holds up pretty well today. Cool. <laughs> it still looks cool. So love the little Nelly scene. No disrespect to Nelly, but I have to give it to the acrojet. I see where it come from. It's a tighter action scene. It's more intense. Yeah, and there's just more going on. I mean, it starts off with him coming out of that horse trailer, which is really cool. Taking it off just above the heads of mm-hmm. all the Jeeps and motorcycle guys that are chasing him. And they all go spilling everywhere. And that's cool. And they fire the missile at him. Then you get these tense moments where he's like flying under the bridge and he has to make a sudden turn at the last minute to juke the missile at one point. And then the coup de grace of him coming down there, going through that hangar and completing his original mission of blowing up that plane. That's just mwah, perfection. <laughs> it really is. And now let's get the highs and lows of the film overall from Agents Delvin and Pat. And we'll start with, oh, let's give the winner of the last double O trivia, which I think was Pat. We'll let him lead off and he'll probably want to talk about the double O player. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really take a lot of notes for this movie. So I started doing a double player account, but I think I maybe only got maybe four. The lady from the pre-credits. Oh, the Hispanic lady. She yeah, was, I'm assuming, you know, I'm assuming. That's that not, confirmed, uh, not, not confirmed. confirmed. Not confirmed. Not confirmed. No, though. but he was flirty. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he's Captain Bunny Penny and Penelope Smallbone. Uh-huh. <laughs> Pat, you have kids. You know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> He's a player. That's he's playing it. <laughs> We're thirteen movies in. You should know my criteria for this. <laughs> Your criteria is terrible. <laughs> no, How many no. Deals did he close though? What Magda and Octopussy? Yeah, I think so too. I think that's it. Two on the screen. Yeah. I will tell you what though. That lady that shows into his hotel room in India. Like anything else, Mister Bond? Anything at all? That girl, <laughs> gorgeous. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, she was. Baby. <laughs> Yeah. Seven out of seven. Yes. <laughs> and he was all like, later, perhaps. I'd be like, no, now, right now. <laughs> now. We'd be laying in bed and then there'd be a news release like, nuclear bomb explodes in Germany. Germany. Like, damn. I really should have been getting oh, on this I case. knew there was something I was supposed to do today. <laughs> Oh, anyway, we hijacked it like we always do from you, Pat. I think you were going to give us a high or a low there somewhere. <laughs> In the beginning, at the circus, I liked that I saw Tomix and Zaymont. <laughs> oh, gee, <I> <laughs> reference the James Bond you know, I didn't even put that together. That's perfect. Well. The first time I saw those two guys, I'm like, oh, you know who those guys are? They're Tomax and Zema. I believe you're talking about Mishka and Grishka. Mishka and Grishka, yes. I like Tomax and Zema much better. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You know, they had matching outfits and all that. It was pretty cool. Delvin, high or low? Let's go with a low. One of the main plot points was Magda, she slept with Bond, stole the egg in the most obvious way possible. They just seemed really on the nose. What did they know he was a secret agent. At the time, I think that they thought he was just an adventurer, because that's what Kamal Khan said to Octopussy a little later on, that he was just an adventurer. Okay. In that case, I'll buy it, because if they thought he was a secret agent, if they just 
just came up with the super inventive plan of, hey, why don't you go and sleep with him and then just take his merchandise? To me, I would think that's their normal plan. It's not a very good plan is what I'm saying. And, and what I'm also saying is, since we well, already It depends talked, on what end of the plan you're at. <laughs> it worked since, out for Bond. Since we, since we talked about the knockout, that first woman that we were talking about, Magda wasn't really a knockout. I thought she was pretty. I mean, she was all right. I'm going to give another high. Like, again, when you get to Q and you see him, all the little stuff going on in the makeshift laboratory that they have there. And it's like every place is different where he's at, but yet there's still a group of people that are working with him. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of set to that location. I like that. Uh, they keep it light and friendly there and uh, just the kind of banter again between Bond and Q. Oh, uh, Yeah. And it plays out throughout the movie. And just, you know, just at the end, too, when Q comes down on the guard and kind of, I guess, saves the other ladies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he actually kind of gets yeah. into it there for a second. Yeah, he's like, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, maybe you just... Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I liked VJ too, you know? VJ was yeah, cool. There was a lot of good Q action in this movie, which I enjoyed. I want to say there wasn't a lot of overtop kind of gadgets. What they did with them, I think, worked. Uh-huh. You know, I liked the little alligator sub. That's <laughs> <It's> cool. That's <laughs> funny. That was kind of neat. The only other kind of weird gadget is that guy with that yo yo chainsaw or whatever that thing is. Yeah, I don't quite understand how that worked, but it looks yeah, great. But he's always like, okay, I got to be on top. I got to be on the second <laughs> floor. <you know? laughs> It's like, ooh, we're on level ground, no, but ooh, I ooh, ooh. <laughs> wait till I get up higher. Ooh, ooh. I tell you, since we're on gadgets, I like the gadgets in this movie because they're real practical. Like the pen with the listening device slash the acid. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, the crocodile boat is good for sneaking up in crocodile waters. The watch that you could have the liquid crystal TV on was kind of neat. So I like the gadgets in this one. Very practical. I think they made sense for what they did. Well, what about you, Delvin? Got another high or low? We'll go with a high because I, I went with a low to start off and I got booed. <laughs> <laughs> Just can't win around these parts <laughs> lately. <laughs> the chase scene, while it was funny that uh, James Bond couldn't be more conspicuous in white <laughs> on a manhunt running through a jungle in white. The cool thing about that, uh, the advantage that he had there is all these people are trying to look for one guy. Uh-huh. So everyone else is the enemy to him. And so all he had to do was just find a path to escape. And it was a very frantic and hectic chase scene where James had to rely on his quick wit and his physical skills as well to get out of it. And I thought that was a very good scene. He ran across some animals. He came across a tiger, snake, some leeches, an elephant. So of those four, which is the best animal, Delvin? I know what it is. There's elephants, which are not correct. (laughs) There you go. Clearly. I mean, the the elephant, boo. (laughs) Boo, elephant, boo. I think Jared booed when the tiger did need him. (laughs) Get him, tiger. (laughs) Yeah, sit. Really? (laughs) I mean, it worked. It worked. One of my lows is some of the sound effects used. I'm sure you guys agree. The Tarzan sound. I guess it's not really low, but I thought it was cool when in the beginning, the snake charmer, he was playing the Bond theme. Yeah, I'm always yeah, glad about that. Like on, yeah, one hand, but it, neat, on the other hand, it kind of takes you out of the picture. Oh, when he's playing the snake charmer? Yeah, when the snake charmer plays the Bond theme and Bond's like, oh, what a good tune. I'm like, how do you know your own tune? <laughs> but, is, but was that like an agent though? That was an agent, wasn't it? Yeah, it was VJ. That was VJ. Yeah, yeah. so maybe that was like the signal they were using. I suppose. I'm always you know. split about it. Like half of me thinks it's cool and the other half kind of takes me out of the movie. It was maybe a little tongue in cheek. Yeah. A little breaking the four 
fourth wall there. I was fine with the fourth wall break there. I thought it was fine. Okay. I was okay with it. I'm with you, though, on the Tarzan call. I thought that was kind of silly. That was bad. They didn't need to do that. Okay, so Tarzan call. (laughs) Or the slide Slide. whistle. Which one's worse? Oh, the slide whistle every the day. Sli- the, the slide, slide whistle. whistle. Yeah, given the fact that that stunt mm-hmm. was so good. A, was, yeah, it was so good. It was almost literally one of a kind. One take done. Let's put it this way. I just had a conversation before we came on with my brother and I was telling him about the podcast and he was telling me that he watched some Bond movies as a kid. I'm like, man, where the heck was I? <laughs> <laughs> and he said that his first Bond was Roger Moore. So to him, Roger Moore was like the cool one. I'm like, I think Roger Moore is kind of corny. Could you just imagine? I just imagine like all of you guys, because everybody in in their lives, we have like moments that you pull something off and you're like, man, I was the cock of the walk for this one. I was really freaking cool. And imagine that same moment and at the height of like the coolness. No! Oh, jeez. So bad. Uh, so, yes, the slide whistle worse than Tarzan, but Tarzan was really, really, really bad. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I'll tell you, the one thing that really bothered me watching this through is Roger Moore's hand-to-hand fighting is just so bad. It's never... (laughs) I studied a little Krav Maga back in the day. When you learn new moves, you kind of walk through it at half speed, and you go three-quarter speed, and then when you get comfortable enough, you do it full speed. And it's like, he's never out of three-quarter speed. (laughs) You can almost see, like, the stunt people are like, you know, they're like thinking, you know, what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Since we're talking about stunts, you guys know my attention to detail on some things, not that great. There were times where it was clearly obvious that it was a stunt double and not Roger Moore several times during the movie. What, you don't think he was hanging on to the plane at the end? <laughs> In the plane, the Tarzan swing. There are several times because, like, the, On the train, had, the dude had like brown hair, and Roger Moore's hair was almost graying at that point. You don't think that was him walking in the crowd? <laughs> There were just several times it was just noticeable. You are not the only one who noticed. Okay. He was considerably older looking in this movie. Yes. Concur. When you surround him with a lot of young women Uh and VJ, you know, VJ is a younger actor there and it was, wow. Yeah, that's my biggest complaint about this movie. Jason and I talked about a little on the side too. We think one of the smarter things they did with this aging Roger Moore and he really probably should have called it quits after the last film, but it is what it is. Still a good movie, but one of the smart things they did, Jason I talked about was paired him up with Maud Adams as the leading lady, an older but still very attractive lady. So it wasn't so weird when they were together. <laughs> when I first saw her too, I was like, wow, man, how do I know who this I know who this person is, but I don't That's remember right. what Agent Pat. Rookie Agent Pat's putting the pieces together. Did you solve it? No, I haven't. <laughs> I wonder if Rookie Agent Williams can tell him. <laughs> Where no. have you Maud Adams before? Oh, geez. We've seen her before, huh? You have. I'll give you a hint. In Thanks a Bond movie? Whistle. Yeah, the movie had a slide <laughs> what role did she play in that movie? Yeah. She was Scaramanga's girlfriend. Oh. 
She's the one that hired Bond to kill Scaramanga, in fact. Well, tricked oh. him. I guess hired is not the right word, but kind of tricked him into... Hmm, okay. She got killed at the kickboxing match. Scaramanga picked her off. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. It's all oh, wow. together. Yeah, she's yeah. one of very few, maybe the yeah, only but- to get two in a row. Jason, is that right? She's the only... Right. Well, not in a row, but two, two Bond girl appearances. Yeah, I think she's the only one with two Bond girl appearances, yeah. Do either of you guys have any more highs or lows you would care to share? Yes. I'm going to share another low. I should literally never have to see 007 dressed as a clown. Interesting, because I'm going to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. I'm just going to mention 009. We get to see 009. Mm, well, someone yes, you get another double O in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, 009 it was dressed like a clown trying to... <laughs> He's trying to run away as a clown, you know, like may have wanted to ditch the shoes, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lose, lose the balloons, perhaps. Yeah. Special agent. You know, Jared and I had an interesting discussion about this as well. Mm-hmm. And what really impressed me about 007 and the clown costume was he put that S on in record. I was time. gonna say that. <laughs> like, yeah, that was my other thing. His got, like, makeup was perfect. <laughs> yeah, great he got makeup. a little tear on his eye and all that. Like in thirty dude, seconds, yeah, he was fighting like all these soldiers and cops and other circus folk. He was disarming a nuclear bomb, and that makeup didn't run not one bit. Because I would have been up there like, oh, the shit's in my eyes. <laughs> Jason and I were texting back and forth. I'm read you the text that I said after Jason wrote that about all the things Jason just said about all the things he did without makeup running his eyes. I wrote to Jason, I wrote, flashback to 00 training camp report. Bond, James, 007, marksmanship, 98, hand-to-hand combat, 94, driving, 99, makeup effects, 102. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a nuclear bomb ticket, and he's like, oh, hold on. I got to make sure I get this spot. <laughs> They're not going to let me in if I don't get it on right. He looks okay. good, man. Part I thought was funny was not so much the clown bit, but when he goes up to the general, he's like, General, there's a bomb in there. And he's like, oh, oh, oh of course, where would a bomb be? And then he's like, I'm deadly serious. And he takes the nose off like yeah. that. Oh, holy cow, there's a man <laughs> under there. Oh, this must be serious. That did <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, like Octopus. Like, oh, yeah, that's James. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. It's well, me. Tell him. <laughs> no, but you hit on oh. something that a lot of people bring up, and maybe this is six-year-old Jared again. I've heard more than one person bring up the fact that James Bond should never be dressed as a clown, and it just it doesn't bother me. And I think maybe because I saw this when I was six for the first time, or I also think it's not bad book in storytelling that we saw 009 meet his demise in the clown suit at the beginning, which makes you go, okay, why is he dressed like a clown? You find out he's infiltrated the circus later on, and now you see Bond in that same predicament, so it brings back the tension in the beginning. I think that's good storytelling, but the concerts never bugged me, but it's interesting that it bugged the rookie agent, because I've heard it from longtime Bond fans, and I always kind of wrote it off as, oh, you're just being snooty, it's okay for Bond to go undercover, and it's fine. Interesting that Delvin, as a rookie agent, it bothered him, too, so there may very well be something to it. On a flip side, Jared, maybe there shouldn't be a Bond story ever that has to bookend agents dressed as clowns. (laughs) Well, now that's just crazy talk. <laughs> just food for thought, maybe? Well, at least he wasn't dressed as a clown and in a literal gorilla suit in the same movie. Right. <laughs> <laughs>
He was. <laughs> yeah, how'd he get out there in a couple seconds, too? He's fast in this movie. How we're picking on it. My other thing that just cracks me up every time is he has his little rendezvous with Magda, and I think he meets up, I think it's with Q, and he busts out his little memo pad. He's got like a quote-unquote yeah. sketch of her tattoo, and it's <laughs> the best drawing you've ever seen. It's like identical to her tattoo. I'm like, with color. Lord, Bond. You're one heck of an Did you trace artist. that when she was sleeping or something? <laughs> what is up with your art skills? Taping it to her ass and just said, like- <laughs> said, I've had plenty of time to study it. <laughs> I guess. It's like, it's like colored pencil, multi layer. Mm-hmm. Like, when did you find time to do that? <laughs> Always cracks me up. And oh, I do want to say one thing that I learned too is I can crush dice with my mind. <laughs> mind? I just look at it and it crushes it. And he just crushed it with his hand. Yeah, but it looked like he was just looking at it and he wasn't doing anything. I'm glad you brought that character up though, Pat. Yeah. Like, I forgot that dude's name, so I just called him Brown Hands. <laughs> <laughs> Go Binda. No fits brown hands. And he gets a great line though at the end when they're in the plane. And Kamal Khan says, "Go out there and get him." <laughs> out there? Out there? Out there? <laughs> <laughs> and then he did it. <laughs> I was like, "Screw you, man." I do like when Bond asked him, "Is like, do you want a nightcap?" <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> he should have said, "Sure." <laughs> but it was awkward. Double seven scene. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, let's turn this over to Agent Jason and let him give his final thoughts and his bond bombs. Take it away, Agent Jason. All in all, I really enjoyed this movie. I understand that Roger Moore was way past his prime. There are some flaws in the movie. And I look at this through some rose-colored lenses there. But the one thing that really surprised me watching this film again, after not having seen it for many years, was it was darker than what I originally remembered. I don't know if you felt that way as well. Yeah, because yeah, all you really remember when you just haven't seen it in a long time, you're like, oh, clown, circus, it's probably pretty light. And it's not. No, yeah, you know, and- I was going to say, because even when James shoots in the trolley or whatever, he shoots him right in the head. Mm-hmm. Right in the, right in the forehead. Right in the middle. He was dead. Yeah, yeah there were much more uh, bullet impacts in this movie than we've seen before. And one scene that I really, I got to give it up to Roger Moore. I thought this was a splendid bit of acting that I missed until watching it this last time, is when he's getting his briefing by M, and M reveals to him that 009 was killed and shows him the picture, there's a look that comes over Bond's face where it's just like, you know, some is going to die. <laughs> like He's going to kill somebody for killing 009. And then when he notices that Im's watching him and he's passing the picture back, that mask slides back into place. I thought that was a really good bit of acting by Roger Moore. So that's all I'm going to say about that. I think we talked about the film pretty well. I've got a few Bond Bonds here that we'll talk about. There's a lot of stuff to talk about this film. I had a hard time choosing three, and I'm sure that our R&D department's going to fill in the rest. But here's three that maybe they won't get to, maybe they will. Number one is that crew member Peter Lamont's flight to India was hijacked by renegade Sikhs. The passenger in the seat next to him asked what he did for a living and when he replied that he worked for the Bond films, the gentleman said, you wouldn't happen to have one of those gadgets on you right now, would you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, fortunately, it all worked out and they got where they were going safely. Jeez. That was pretty freaky. Number two. So there was an actor named Michael Bellington in the movie, and you might remember him as the Russian Chewy from The Spy Who Loved Me. <laughs> in, the, in the beginning of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Bosvidanya. Oh. 
role. <laughs> well, he actually screen tested for the role of James Bond because Roger Moore's contract was up at this time. And so they were screen testing several people for a replacement Bond. But when the producers got wind that Sean Connery was going to make his comeback as Bond in the competing Never Say Never Again, they felt compelled to stay with Roger Moore and basically backed a truckload of money up there to keep him in the character. And number three is Barbara Carrera turned down the role of Octopussy in order to appear in Never Say Never Again because she wanted to work with Sean Connery. Ooh, interesting. You're damn right she did. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie and Never Say Never came out in the same time? Mm -hmm. Yes, it was a glorious year for us Bond fans. We had not one but two Bond movies to watch in 1983. Octopussy came out maybe like a couple months ahead of Never Say Never Again. That's going off six-year-old Jared's memory, so I could be wrong. I honestly have no idea which one came out first, but I enjoyed both. That's all ah, I remember. Exactly. I really like both. Are we going to cover Never Say Never Again since that's not officially a part of canon? We absolutely will. Once we get you guys to full-blown agents done with being rookies, that'll probably be the very next episode after we wrap on um, Spectre. We'll go Interesting. back. We will go back. Well, with those 007 trivia nuggets tucked safely away, it's time to have our rookie agent <laughs> score this film. Jason, make it happen. Are those trivia nuggets stuck in my junk? <laughs> to the coconuts. <laughs> All right, lads. It's time to score it. One to seven martinis. Pat, you're our double O champion. You get to go first. How many martinis? Keep rubbing that in, Jason. And, <laughs> what? That really isn't appreciated. I just, that, that was, that's two times. First time, yeah, you know, I let it slide. You know, I'm a classy rookie agent, but two times, it's too far. Too I'm far. sorry. How many martinis did you give for your eyes only the greatest James Bond movie ever made? Uh, the bitterness is. <laughs> you see me as the reigning champion, double award winning champion. I don't say stuff like that, though. <laughs> I just, I'm trying to, cool. I'm trying, I'm trying to let Pat live it up because I think he's so sick right now that I think he has no chance. <laughs> so I'm just trying to let him enjoy it. Thank you. I appreciate that. The uh, no double O award winning. Oh, geez. I don't know. Wisconsin. I, I don't know any. 007, 5, 2, 8, 3, 7, 6, 5, 4. How the f? He snowed me again. No. I don't care if he's sick. Going down. <laughs> Pat, how many martinis? I'm going to give this five martinis. I thought it was a pretty decent movie. The humor was there. Action was there as well. And I think when we talk about more in his comedic -y kind of role here, when he gives his lines, he's good at them. He is. Uh, he delivers those funny lines very good. So I, I like it. I can give him another five. Thank you, Pat. Delvin, your turn. What are you giving this one? Y'all, I'm conflicted. <laughs> Absolute truth in advertising. I, I don't even have a rating written down right now. And I told Jared this. And I'll tell you what I've written so far. This wasn't a better movie than For Your Eyes Only. It had good moments and some cringing moments, like even for Roger Moore, cringing moments. It had a good complex plot. Like the plot, it was like an hour 25 in and I was still kind of like, wait a minute, what's the full plot here? What's going on? <sighs> Yeah, I was doing advanced math, trying to figure out, okay, that's the train that has the bomb, and that one's got the... 
Yeah, yeah. I was like, so there's the bomb thing, but where does Jewel come in? What? <laughs> it was definitely a complex plot. Oh, geez. I give it a four, but it's the most non-committal rating that I've ever given. Usually, like, right after the movie, I put my rating, and I'm fine with it. And I sat there. Like, as soon as the movie was done, Miranda was like, what did you think about the movie? And I kind of just looked at her, and I was just kind of like, you know, sighed, because I was seriously thinking. It's a four, but it's like the most non-committal that I've ever I've, I've ever given in the 13 that we've done so far. Like a four with a question mark in the end? Yeah, a four? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll take that four. That's quite all right and understandable. And thank you, gentlemen, for now. It's time to crown this episode's Double O Award winner. Pat and Delvin will do this by answering a series of trivia questions on Octopussy. And in case you didn't know this, Pat is the current champion. Yes, I am. I'm the current Double O Award winner champion. <laughs> But before we do this and give Pat just a little bit longer to sit on that throne, it's time to thank our Patreon sponsors. White Rocket Entertainment. These are the folks that are getting it done and helping keep the lights on here at the Palatial On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast Studios. Couldn't do it without you, so let's give our thanks to Brendan O'Dwyer, Samuel Salvatore, Christopher Burleson, Christopher Brock, Carl Von Drunker, Phil Amthor, Susan Trawick, Ben Spooner, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, yeah, yeah. Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, Richard Stevens, Johnny Caldwell, Reynolds Wolf, Joshua Corbett, Valiant oh. Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Anne Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, Will Summerford, John McCune, Tom Anderson. David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan, Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Gerard Ulbrich, William Glenn Matthews, Joel Beckham, Theodore Gary, Shannon Butson, Taylor, David Hegler, Mickey B, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Logan Chilton, Tony Perry, Alex Gwynn, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, C.T. Wayne, Dave Powell, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, Chris, Wardam Wade, Jason Albrecht, Randall Walker, Ben Amos, Ruth, and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Steve Schuster, James Taylor. How sweet it is to be loved by you. John Stubbs, Kenneth Brent Rains, Nicholas Craig. You ain't got to lie, Nicholas Craig. Russell Milling, Matthew Wagstaff, Joey Miller, Mark Squire, Dave Medinus, Spanky, Brent Rumble, J.W. Rice, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, and one time an anonymous donors, one of which was not anonymous, was Surfer Chickify, and we appreciate it. We do record these episodes pretty far in advance, so if we missed your name on there, we do apologize. Just hit us up and let us know. You can do that via our OHMS Pod Twitter account, or you can email us ohmspod at outlook.com. If you'd like to help contribute to help us buy a new Lotus Esprit with less extreme security systems in it, <laughs> you too. <laughs> <laughs> you too can help sponsor the show over at patreon.com. Just search the keyword Plexico. That's P-L-E-X-I-C-O. You give as little as a dollar a month to help keep Agent Jason stocked with pitons. And like those other folks whose names you just heard, you'll get a shout out on every episode of all White Rocket Entertainment shows, including this one. As a Patreon, you'll also get bonus material, behind the scenes information on all the White Rocket endeavors, including our novels, comic books, and more. Back to you, Jason. Okay, let's find out who this mission's trivia double award winner is 
going to be so he can lord it over the other guy until the next episode. Agent Jared and I have each prepared three questions for a total of six. We'll take turns asking each of our contestants a question. You get it right. That's one point. You get it wrong. Your opponent has an opportunity for a steal. Most points get you the coveted double award, a lifetime supply of Columbus pistachios, but no heroin. <laughs> and a switch to pieces ATAC Aww. system. <laughs> Please return to British government if you get it reassembled. <laughs> While supplies last, not available in all areas, let's start the segment we like to call Agents Under Fire. Well, I understand double O's have a very short life expectancy. Here we go, boys. Pat, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you are the current champion. That is correct, Jared. I am the current champion, (sighs) award-winning champion. Would you like to go first or second? I'm going to go first. Let's do this. Delvin, who's reading your questions? You are. All right, Jason, take it away. Pat's going first. All right, Pat, your question is, in addition to being a secret agent, what job did VJ have? Oh, he is a tennis instructor? I believe we will accept that. That's what? Right. Yep. He's a tennis pro over at one of Kamal's clubs. Mm-hmm. It wasn't cricket? <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't get that question. <laughs> Side note, for those of you who don't follow the sport of tennis, VJ was legitimately a professional tennis player in the 80s. Delvin. Yes, sir. Let's get you into this fray. I'll do my best. Here's your easy question. Bond killed both the knife-throwing twins, Mishka and Grishka, but each in a different way. Name one of the methods of murder. Well, he stabbed one with his own knife. You got the point. Now you can show off from here. I'm remembering the other one got stuffed in the cannon, but that's not how he died. So close, though. Blanking on how the first one died. He got knocked out by the cannon, didn't he? Yeah, Bond hit that's a lever right. on the cannon, crushed his That's tall. right, he dropped the knife. That's all right. You got your point. See, you notice how Pat sounds like a little bit better? <laughs> I'm still not feeling good, guys. I don't think I don't know if I'm gonna make it through this. Sandbagging son of a license plate was W six four nine three. Here, here's a super bonus question: Which one got hit in the head with the cannon, and which one got stabbed with the knife? Uh, (laughs) Tomax. Oh, yeah, yeah, the other was Zayman. Because on the train, he says... You killed Mishka. Because he thinks it's his twin. He goes, Mishka! Mishka! Yeah, that, yeah. Honestly, it was yeah. Mishka. But Mishka got the cannon to yeah. the head. Yeah. Yep. No, Grishka. Yeah. Grishka. Yeah. Killed with his own knife. Moving on to the medium round here. Pat, Fabergé eggs are mentioned a lot in this film. What's Fabergé's first name? Ooh. 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 Mm. Yikes. Uh, John Fabergé. <laughs> John Fabergé. <laughs> yep. It is John not Fabergé. John Fabergé. <laughs> How do you know it's not? Because <laughs> I know the answer. It is Three not people John. who have never been in my kitchen. <laughs> Well, Delvin, you have an opportunity for a steal, knowing that it's not John Fabergé. <laughs> yep, John's eliminated the most common name on, on the planet. John Fabergé, he directed the Iron Man movie. <laughs> no, that's Fabro. That's, that's Fabro, that's yeah. No, Fabro is what you spray for the air. To that's the smell breeze. That's the breeze. That's, that's breeze. <sighs> no, I got the windows closed. There's no breeze coming in. <laughs> I don't know it, but it's like Georges or something like that. It's a Russian name, though, but I can't think. It's a simple Russian name, and it's a fantastic middle name. It is not Georges. It's the best middle name on the planet. Sergey? Carl. Ah. 
Carl Fabergé. Well, that's all right, Delvin. Here is your medium level question. I have faith in you. Thanks, man. What's the name of the Air Force Base in West Germany where the bomb was set to explode? It was... Oh, I hear paper flipping. He wrote it down. (laughs) You do. do. It was Felstead Air Force Base. I'm going to give it to you. It's pronounced Feldstadt, but I'll give you... It looks like Feldstead, but in German, it's Feldstadt. I'm not German. I'm American. Have you guys ever been there? I think it might be made up. Oh, because I don't yeah, I think it's it a it's a made up one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So did the location look like it anywhere? I mean, it looked like Germany, okay. and I got a kick out of that German couple that constantly tried to feed James Bond in that car. <laughs> Beer and brats and no, no, no. no. <laughs> and the rude lady in the phone booth, and he stole her car. <laughs> she cut him off at the phone. <laughs> All right, right now it's two to one, Delvin's favorite. You're- is in the jackpot pack. Mm. Oh, that's a good mm. thing. Wait, no, it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, All right, Pat, what was the official name of 007's mission in this film? Oh, boy, that's a... Uh, boy, I don't know. I didn't catch that. Steel Williams? Operation Trove. Oh, Delvin's already got a three to one. This is just just easy cycling now. I don't think it's even possible for you to lose at this point, but you can show off. Let's go. What's the name of Kamal Khan's palace? Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Monsoon Palace. Monsoon Palace is correct, and Delvin beats a sickly sad pat. No, I tried my best, guys. I tried my best. I didn't just beat him, I destroyed him. Let's just put that out there. Oh, man. <laughs> Something, something, all-time high. Can't remember the lyric. It was generic. (laughs) Congratulations to Delvin. Be sure to do the right, proper thing and lord this victory over Sickly Pat until you meet again in the next episode. You want it. You keep it, old buddy. (laughs) I just gave him some medicine, son. (laughs) It doesn't taste good. (laughs) Let you win. Now for our penultimate segment of the show entitled Return Fire. During Return Fire, rookie agents Pat and Delvin get to toss Jason and I a trivia question that they brought with them in an attempt to stump the double O experts. Jason and I are working together as a team, hoping to not get stumped by either Pat or Delvin. So let's get going with Return Fire. This never happened to the other fellow. Let's get the numbers out of the way. Pat, what do you got? The watch that James Bond had, what was the make and model? Ooh, I know it's a Seiko. I know but what's it's the model? Oh, I just wrote Seiko, man. That's as far as I went. I'm glad Pat stumped you guys. I like this. I mean, because last time we were just like, what is the... Jason was like, eight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> What's the I, model? I just said Seiko. I, I didn't write the model. You probably wrote down the times on it, though, didn't you? <laughs> I did. That's I how want to I take a I... shot at this because I know some Bond watches. Okay. I know it's a Seiko Sport. Is it a G757? No. Then I'm out. It's a Sports 100. 100. Oh, that's... G757 5020 Sports 100. Sports 100. Thanks, Google. Yeah. Damn. No, I didn't get it. It I is actually, it. you know, the funny thing is, it is a G757, but its more generic name is the Sports 100. I'm giving myself half credit, but I'll give you official stumpage. You get official stumpage on that. Because I, uh-huh, I figured you guys were going to write down the, the numbers on the clock. So I'm like, well, they're probably concentrating on that. So they're not going to look at the model of it. I, there was a part of me that said I should probably write down all that model number. But I was like, nobody's that nitpicky. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then I was overconfident because I know a lot yeah. of the blonde watches. And I was like, I think it's the G757. I'm not going to worry about it. And that shall be your downfall. <laughs> I mean, for the record, it is a Seiko G757, but that's not what it says on the face of the watch. Sounds like you're just making it up. Look you it know, up I took brother. my loss. I took my loss from Delvin. <laughs> you got me. I, I told admit. you it's an official stoppage. I should have remembered it was a Sports 100. Hey, don't, don't try to weasel your way out of it. Hey, he's I'm not the weasel. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm not saying. I gave you your stump. What more do you want? I said you got the stump. What more do you want? It's okay. I'm sick. Don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right, Delvin, give us a make us look. Get him, Delvin. Get him. Give us a chance at revenge and retribution. Take him out like Tomix and (laughs) Zaymont. Nice. I'm nervous because they've been so good with numbers, Pat. But I'm going to try and slide it by anyway. The Fabergé egg. Half a million pounds. <laughs> the Fabergé egg would normally fetch Ooh. how much? Ooh, hang on. Listen to this. Listen to this. <laughs> it would normally <laughs> fetch you from two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand pounds. <laughs> you guys write notes now. <laughs> I wrote that one down. You dirty riding scoundrel. I do. I, I do off the top of my head that it got half a million pounds. But I was like, "Ooh, the original appraisal. That's a good trivia question. I almost asked it to you guys. <laughs> Nicely done, guys. Agent Jared, what do we have in the eyes only mailbag this week? What? No small talk? No chit chat? Why, thank you, Jason. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send us your questions or comments or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page, which is at ohmspod. If you'd like, you can use that email. And as a reminder, that's ohmspod at outlook.com to send us an audio recording of your question or comment. We might even play it on the show. Also, if you're an iTunes listener, we'd greatly appreciate it if you left a review for the show. That will help raise the show's profile to attract more of the 007 family to this program. As reward for leaving a review, we'll read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. All right, this leads us to our regular feedback segment. Q's research and development team, better known as Rad, for their Rad thoughts on Bond. Here we have fellow podcasters and friends of the show, Ruth and Darren, from their Rad Adventures Podcast Network. Normally, Rad stands for Ruth and Darren, but here on a 007 show, it'll stand for Q's research and development team. Let's get started with this episode's Rad Thoughts on Bond. Hi, I'm Ruth. And I'm Darren. Of the Rad Adventures Network. We're with Research and Development QBranch, and we're here to share our thoughts about Octopussy from 1983. Following the critically and financially successful For Your Eyes Only, this film was generally met with mixed reviews from critics, and over the years, fans have generally agreed. The film definitely has some terrific action sequences, especially the amazing segments with the Acro star mini-jet, as well as the chase along the train, and the dramatic fight on the plane at the end of the film. However, the film also has a pacing problem, and some unfortunate attempts at humor that just seem out of place. The Tarzan yell as James Bond swings through the jungle is particularly cringeworthy. We're actually fans of the Tarzan character and many of the stories, movies, and TV shows, but it just does not work here. Fans often point out that seeing James Bond disguised as both a gorilla and a clown during the movie make it difficult to take the spy seriously. However, you can't blame the cast, which is top-notch. We have Swedish actress Maude Adams in her second role as a Bond girl following the man with the golden gun nearly a decade earlier. She is terrific in both films. Roger Moore often mentioned that she was a friend and his favorite Bond girl, and she actually makes a third appearance in the next film, which is Roger Moore's final outing as 007. 
We also get French film star Louis Jordan as the evil Kamal Khan. During his long career, he played everything from romantic leading men to evil villains like Khan. To this day, I still remember his haunting performance as Count Dracula in the excellent BBC miniseries from the late 1970s, which I watched on PBS with my parents. It's still one of my favorite versions of the story. We really do love Roger Moore's James Bond, but must say we still think it would have been best if he had stepped down following For Your Eyes Only. For a while, it did look like that would happen, and Timothy Dalton was named in the news as taking over the role. However, when Never Say Never Again was announced with Sean Connery returning to the role, the producers convinced Roger Moore to return for a head-to-head competition between the two long-running 007 actors. And now it's time for 007 Hits and Misses, when we share our thoughts on two low points and seven high points in the film. The low point for me is definitely the scene when the henchman is thrown onto the bed of nails, and the street performer says, Get off my bed. That setup is so contrived and a truly poor attempt at a joke. And I think I have to go with a Tarzan yell when he's swinging through the forest. I like Tarzan movies, and they use the famous Johnny Weissmuller yell, which is definitive, but is completely out of place here, and not funny. However, this movie does have many high points, so let's move on to our top seven hits. Number seven. I like that Bond keeps his cool when he is caught impersonating the military general while trying to sabotage the jet. It's a great scene that shows why Roger Moore made a great 007. Number six. I love that 007 has his own jet for the getaway. The Acrostar is a cool-looking mini-jet, and we were fortunate to be able to see it at the Bond in Motion exhibit in London. The action sequences are spectacular as Bond dodges missiles and flies through the hangar, causing the explosion. I also like when he lands and pulls into a gas station to refuel. That was a fun joke, and a nice way to end an excellent sequence. Number 5. I definitely like the location filming in India with the colorful clothing and scenes in the forest with the statues and stone gazebos. Number four, the chase scene along the train is terrific. Lots of suspense and some great directing. Number three, I like the sequence with acrobats climbing the wall. That's such a visually interesting scene. Number two, the guest cast. Louis Jordan and Maude Adams really help the movie move along, and they both bring some depth to their characters. And number one is the amazing fight on the plane near the end of the film. The directing and editing of those sequences are amazing and really give you a feeling of vertigo as you watch them. Truly stunning. Thank you once again to our friends Jared, Jason, Delvin, and Pat for letting us share our thoughts. Remember, we're RAD, R-A-D, which is short for Ruth and Darren. And research and development. What did you guys think? Delvin, what do you got? I think they always do a great job of encapsulating the spirit of the movie in a very short amount of time. What do you think, Pat? I think it's interesting about the vampire role. That Yeah, I didn't know that either. The guy always seemed kind of familiar to me. I don't know if I've seen him in some other things, but he definitely was a, a very good actor. Do you ever see Swamp Thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the villain in Swamp Thing. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I wonder why then he looked familiar to me. But yeah, Ruth and Darren always bring some extra information that I never would have thought of. Yeah, I'm going to just tag on to what they said about Louis Jordan. I love the way he would go. Yeah. He just made it sound so cool. He's definitely one of the coolest villains. He had a very similar characteristic to Bond in that he seemed very unflappable. Like, even when he found Bond at Octopussy's house, he still seemed like, eh, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> but oh, he sorry. definitely got a mad on, though, because it didn't seem like he had to necessarily kill Bond. It's like, no, I want to kill him. That dude's dying. Let's have supper first. <laughs> <laughs> Sheep's eyes. There's one extra Bond bomb, too. They talked about that 
stunt on the train. And I thought about throwing this one in there, but one of the stuntmen was seriously hurt during the, the filming of that scene when he's hanging on the side of the train. And they were running it down a section, a track. Apparently, they hadn't rehearsed on it a lot. And he didn't realize there was some sort of outcropping from a wall and it caught his hip right Ooh. on it. And it gouged the skin right off of him. I think it broke his hip and Ooh. he was really, really hurt bad. And they had to bring in somebody else. I guess Roger Moore went to his bedside and spent a lot of time and was visiting him like nearly every day when he, you know, when he wasn't filming and he had the time. And so he ended up coming back when they were almost done filming. And so there was a huge sense of relief that he was able to walk and come back. But it was a really bad accident. They mentioned that Moore and his characters as he dresses up either as a clown or the general, things like that. You didn't really see Connery do a lot of that. Although he did dress up like a Japanese man. Well, that, I don't know. <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to... <laughs> Joe Mario Gacho. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I think Moore does a lot more of that character acting like that when he puts on those roles. Oh. He looked like Japanese Sling Blade. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon I don't have a reason to kill nobody. <laughs> French fried taters. <laughs> I like your Sean Connery version better than like my attempt at a Japanese impression of saying that, which was... <laughs> horribly wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't want to be racist now, you know. <laughs> Boys, you know what time it is? What's the time? Zooter man. Zooter man. Z time. Z time. Let's see what Agent Z's cooked up for us. Attack oh. Force Z. Hello, rookie agents. This is Don Zuiderman from the Netherlands, and I'm here for your Octopussy episode. And I want to talk to you about a certain scene that I really, really enjoy in this film. And that is, of course, the casino scene when Bond confronts Kamal Khan. You need a great deal of luck to get out of this. Oh, luck. But then I shall use player's privilege. And use your lucky dice. It's all in the wrist. Double sixes. Fancy that. 200,000 rupees. Okay, right there, James Bond is the coolest guy ever. He absolutely looks amazing. He knows Kamal Khan is cheating, but he doesn't need to look. He knows he beat him. Ah, I love this scene. It's so brilliant. But, as you know by now, there have been other very cool casino scenes in the Bond franchise. For instance, when we meet the character in Dr. No, he is introduced by director Terence Young by first showing his hands, and we don't see his face until he's finally revealed when he introduces himself to Sylvia Trench. I admire your courage, Miss... uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck. Mr. Bond. James Bond. Now, in my opinion, that is the absolute best iconic introduction to any film character ever. But that's just me, probably. Um, There's also a very, very cool casino scene in Thunderball when he confronts Largo and he is just playing with Largo. Almost the same with Kamal Khan. He knows he's evil, and he just wants to be a nuisance to the guy. 
Un banco de 500 livres. Ah, it's your spectre against mine, huh? Le banco est fait. You wish to put the evil eye on me. We have a way to deal with that where I come from. Well, you may hex me. Let's see what it does for the cards. No. No. Seven. Set à la pointe. Six. Next up, it's on a Majesty's Secret Service, where he runs into Tracy again, and this time he saves her because she makes a bet, loses, and she can't pay. Bank from you. Banco. Banco de boo. Carte. Neuf. Back in here. Back. Madame? I regret, madame, but it's impossible. I regret too, but I don't have any money. Dame can't pay up. S'il vous plaît, madame. Venez avec moi. S'il vous plaît, madame. Forgive me. My mind was elsewhere. Madame has forgotten we agreed to be partners this evening. Please continue. Merci. Bond as a true gentleman. And then finally in Diamonds, where he plays crabs, I believe. Or craps? I don't know. I don't know this game. Is it a really typical American game? I'll take the full odds on the 10, 200 on the hard way. The limit on all the numbers, 250 on the 11. Thank you very much. Say, you played this game before. Just once. And I believe that's it so far. There will be more casino scenes um, later on in the series, and there have been plenty in the novels, for instance, when he plays Bridge in Moonraker against Drax, and he spots Goldfinger cheating at Canasta. And in some of the continuation novels, he even manages to play completely different games, like Mahjong in 0-10. And in the most recent one, Forever and a Day, Bond plays Blackjack, or 21. So, Bond definitely belongs in a casino. My questions are for you, gentlemen. Which casino scene do you prefer and why? And have you ever been as cool as Bond and walked into a casino looking absolutely your finest? Walked up to a table and said, Banco. Okay, that's it for now, gentlemen. Take care and until next time. And let's just get this out of the way right now. My best isn't very good. So, yeah, I've looked my best. (laughs) And let's get this out of the way. Yes, Don, Craps is a very American gambling game. It's not hard to play, and it's kind of fun. Rookie Agents, we'll lead with you guys. Delvin, what do you think? Favorite casino scene? And do you have any casino tales you'd like to regale us with? Let's just go with the classic of the introduction, because it is very memorable. And I do agree, that that was was a fantastic introduction to James Bond because you had Sean Connery sitting there looking just suited, just every bit the part, just young, handsome. The room was his, which is exactly what James Bond is supposed to be. So yeah, that's a wrap. But that said, it is definitely worth noting that Roger Moore did nail that scene in Octopus. He, he nailed it. And I don't know if we covered that or not in our discussion of it, but James James Bond has that way of when there's that bad guy and he knows that that person is a bad guy. He just has that way of getting under that bad guy's skin to where the 
bad guy just like, oh, oh, that's, oh, it's on. That is just James Bond to perfection. But to answer the question, the first one, and no, I've never come into a casino dressed to the nines and had anywhere near the money that James Bond (laughs) 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 has dropped on the table. If I dropped that much on the table, it would be followed by, you know, some very unmanly. (laughs) (laughs) Start crying when you lost. I just crap my pants. Just... <laughs> You'd be like on Her Majesty's Secret Service with uh, Diana Ray. I don't have the money. Dave <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> can't pay up. Yeah, it would it would be bad. Pat, what do you think, man? Favorite casino scene and Rick uh, with your tales of casino. Okay, well, uh, favorite scene would be, of course, the beginning, that first one. Everything that Don said and everything that Delvin said as well, too. It's iconic, so you can't pass that one up. As far as regaling of a scene, um, I do remember one time being uh, dressed really slick. And I remember coming into the room, everybody looking at me. And then I lay down my card and I say, Uno. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like a boss. Like a boss. <laughs> Draw four. <laughs> <laughs> and I choose red. <laughs> <laughs> that was well done. Good one, Pat. Good one. Good one, Pat. Jason. Okay, I'm going to go with Honor Majesty's Secret Service, and here's why. I think this is the one time where he acts like, not he doesn't just act like a gentleman, because I'd like to think that if we were in his shoes, we would do the same thing, but he does it in such a smooth way that he protects her dignity well with that, oh, I, my mind was elsewhere. Like, oh, this is my fault. I forgot. We were partners tonight. Here's the money. You know, just the way he did it was so smooth. It establishes the foundation of that relationship between, it's not even an argument, she's the most important Bond woman in the series. So I think that would be my choice now, because I can't just shut up and answer the question. I'm going to throw one more in here. I thought we were going to have a short answer from Jason. (laughs) He did say, is there another one? And I'm going to fast forward to License to Kill. You can't do that. No, don't do that. that. No, no. You're spoiling it for us, son. Oh, okay. Never mind, then. I'll shut up. Pop the brakes on License to Kill. We'll get there. (laughs) Oh, well, I I thought that was one of the most impressive, too. Because you like Dracula hair. (laughs) Dracula hair is awesome, man. (laughs) It'll all make sense later, fellas. I come to steal your bucks. (laughs) Anyways... Oh, oh! do you have a casino story? No, not really. The only times I really gambled was when I was in Korea at the NCO club. I would go over and play blackjack. And so I'd take like 20 bucks and go to the $2 table. Bonk. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and, I figure, and they're like, what? <laughs> That's right. No bongo. It was like a $2 bit of a bet. Most of the time I won a little bit, you know. Sometimes I double my money, walk out like, oh, 40 bucks. I'm going to go have dinner <laughs> at the club. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I tell this story, it sounds really sad. Let's just watch you take it away, Jen. Yeah, my favorite is got to be the original Dr. No. They're all good. I do like that octopusy, though, because when he rolls those loaded dice, he doesn't even look at them. He locks eyes with Cabal Khan and goes double sixes. Fancy that. He doesn't even look at the dice. That's mm-hmm. what makes it so baller. But yeah, I got to go the original at the end of the day. Nothing like that intro. Got to go with the rookies on this. And I'm not much of a gambler. I've been to a few casinos, but never dressed real nice. 
Never did any Shamandafur. So, yeah, I'm a failure on that front. What if it would have just been lucky rolls on Kamal's part? <laughs> but it rolled like a five, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Double sixes, fancy that. Uh, dude, you rolled a five. Give me the egg. Oh. <laughs> Damn, I lost the egg. <laughs> well, guys, I think it's time that we check our Fleming connection with Agent I. He's got one for us, so let's give her a listen. This is Agent I with the Fleming connection for the James Bond film Octopussy. The movie takes material from two short stories that Fleming wrote. The first we see in the film is from a story called The Property of a Lady. The auction house Sotheby's hired Ian Fleming to write a story for them to publish in one of their programs. James Bond is sent to observe an auction of a Fabergé egg, which is actually a cover for the payment of a Russian spy working inside British intelligence. Bond has to identify the Russian agent who is bumping up the sales price to pay off the double agent. Later, we see material from the short story Octopussy. In it, Bond is sent to arrest a retired British intelligence officer who is found to have stolen a hidden cache of Nazi gold he had been sent to retrieve. Bond gives the retired agent, Major Dexter Smythe, some time to put his affairs in order. But Smythe commits suicide rather than face a court-martial. In the movie, the character Octopussy identifies this person as her father, and Octopussy is the nickname he gave her. One last connection to Fleming is the scene where Bond catches Kamal Khan cheating at backgammon and uses his cheat to backfire, causing him to lose the game to Bond. This comes from the novel Moonraker, where Bond finds that Hugo Drax is cheating at contract bridge while playing at a fancy dinner club with M. Bond stacks a deck of cards, so Drax's cheating method betrays him, just as he uses Kamal's loaded dice to beat him at backgammon. I have a personal connection to the movie Octopussy, as it is the first Bond movie I ever saw. But I wouldn't really get into the entire series till a few years later when Timothy Dalton took on the role of 007. More about that on future podcasts. Until then, you can find me on the Twitter at SeekOutWisdomAgentI, signing out. Man, I love those Agent I Fleming connections, man. Tying them into the books. That's good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's cool. interesting, definitely. Yeah, I read those short stories not too long ago. They're pretty good. And he's yeah. right. I think it's that kind of stuff that makes the movies, gives it a little more flavor when they add just enough, just a pinch of the Fleming mm. in there. So you, you say short story about how long of a story is it? Like how many pages? Oh, I mean, it's, it's pretty short. I'd say... <laughs> Maybe 20, 25 pages. Oh, dang. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. I think property of a lady is really short, isn't it? Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I could be wrong, but you fly through them pretty quick. The more I'm getting into this Bond stuff, I'm thinking I'm interested in the books. Build up that collection would be definitely something I would probably do after we're done getting through this series is probably start to read some of the books and get that kind of a background going. So be happy to do some more OHMS pod episodes where we review the books. But that's a time commitment, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is, man. Oh, it is. Yeah. Last one I read was Trigger Mortis, which is not the newest book, but the one right before. So I'm looking forward to getting into another Bond book soon. I've been going through the Flemings and I read Moonraker last. So I think the next one is Diamonds Are Forever, I think. Well, guys, we have a new audio file send in this week. Oh, my. Yes, from a podcast brethren, the James Bond Complex. They have given us a little send in. I have not listened to it at all. So let's find out together. Is it a complex? Complex, like they have their own base. I don't know if it's they have their own base or if they have like a complex about James Bond. Maybe or a little from column A, a little from column B. All I know is they're Canadian. Do they got a countdown, Jerry? Uh, they have a complex? Count, countdown, Georges. Or do they, <laughs> they got a monorail? Look, man, let's just listen to the audio. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
I'm, well, you know, I want to know. You have a nasty habit of surviving. Well, you know what they say about the fittest? Good evening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, MI6 Rookie Agents. Uh, this is Edgar Chaput, one half of the James Bond Complex Podcast. Uh, we don't, uh, me and Matthew uh, only record once a month, and we uh, don't live in the same neighborhood, so there's just me this time. But uh, I noticed that you tweeted at our official Twitter account, because you guys are recording your Octopussy episode, so I figured I'd oblige and offer my two two cents on that film. In fact, I'm quite happy to do so. Uh, One of the reasons is it uh, was my first James Bond film ever. Uh, A lot of people claim that their father is the one that introduced them to the world of 007. In my case, it was actually my mother, who was a very big Roger Moore fan. She liked his suaveness, his lightness of touch. And I guess I fell in love with that as well. So obviously Octopussy and Roger Moore himself uh, have a major, major impact on my fandom of the entire franchise and of movies in general and action and spy films. Uh, I think this one's a little bit underrated. Uh, I know it's been getting a little bit more love from the fan community over the past few years, but it's true and quite fair to say that generally when people are listing their favorites, this one doesn't get mentioned a whole lot. And while it's not necessarily in my top five, I think it's pretty good. I think the villains are fantastic. You know, the West is decadent. And Kamal Khan is great. You have great little moments like uh, Bond making fun of, of Q for uh, having the uh, the hot air balloon work on hot air. Uh, you got Magda showing her little octopusy. Just fun little moments like that. So I'm a big, big fan of this one. The only thing I can think of that really sort of annoys me and it's partially my own problem, is I can never uh, figure out uh, of the uh, Mishkan Grishka brothers, who's who. I can never figure that out, and I've, God knows how many times I've seen this film. But to this day, I don't know which one's Mishka, and I don't know which one's Grishka. Couldn't even tell you that now. <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much for the opportunity to leave a little message. I very much enjoy the show, both the, the regular show and the MI6 Rookie Agent Show. Keep up the great work. Hope to speak to you soon. Take care, guys. And those are our Canadian friends from the James Bond complex. Well, half. Of them. Are, are, are we just going to ignore the fact that Roger Moore was lightly touching his mother? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. You know okay. He, you know what he meant. I thought that was interesting, though, that, like he said, most people get Bond from their fathers, like Jason mm-hmm. and I did, and he got it from his mother. I think that's unique and fun. I agree. And that is I mean, cool. Miska and Grishka is very easy to tell them apart because Miska has on, uh, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> One's got a scar on his face. No, that's the other one doesn't. Yeah, Thomas <laughs> and Zima. One, one wore a red shirt and the other one wore a red. <laughs> An off red shirt. Black <laughs> pants. <laughs> Well, crap, I'm out. (laughs) I want to say thanks to our Canadian Bond friend fans. And guys, I want to point out something real quick. All right. We got some send-ins from the good old U.S. of A. We got Mm -hmm. the Netherlands and we got Canada. We're international now, boys. That's right. (laughs) Rookie agents worldwide, baby. I love it. Where are you at, South America? When are you going to send us one? (laughs) Come on, Paul Hicks. Yeah, Come Paul on, Hicks, Australia. <laughs> but that was good to hear from them. And that was, I liked his memories. And of course, I shared yeah. that with him. This being my first, well, I'd seen Bond movies. But this is my first Bond movie in the theater. So that was kind of the theme between our listener audios. Yeah. Like he mentioned it. Uh, I, and I mentioned it, right? Yes. Yep. Right. And, and, and Jared. Jared. Jared had mentioned it. So yeah, very cool. 
So that will bring us to a close on this episode of MI6 Rookie Agents. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, check out the Longbox Crusade. Pat, where can that be found? Well, Jason, I'm glad you asked. You can find the Longbox Crusade on the Twitter at Longbox Crusade, on Facebook at Longbox Crusade, or on the website longboxcrusade.com. And also on Instagram at Longbox Crusade. You can also find us on the YouTube as well, too, at Longbox Crusade there too. We're everywhere. (laughs) They don't get that quantum joke yet. We're everywhere. We have people everywhere. Anyway. (laughs) I was just entertaining myself there for a second. I was getting it, but I was told not to spoil anything. (laughs) Well, thanks to the fellows for taking on yet another dangerous mission, and thanks for the listeners who tuned in. If you'd like to leave us a question or a comment on this or any of our other episodes, feel free to contact us on Twitter at OHMSPod or via email at OHMSPod at Outlook.com, or you can contact any of us directly on Facebook or Twitter. My contact info is at Yardsale artist on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Jason? You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter and at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Pat? You can find me on the Twitter at ChrisTatos01. Also on Instagram at ChrisTatos01. Delvin, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y one nine seven seven. Pop, pop, hiss. Pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> we hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rookie Agents will feature a view to a kill. And remember, on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. That's all, that's all. Well, like I said, I just finished Timmy D. These nuts. <laughs> Delvin Williams, original. <laughs> but no heroin. <laughs> but no heroin. That's a leaf to him. You gotta do it, do it, live, live, do it. Do it. <clears throat> Pat, I need your peppy, man. Come on. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm Get up, trying. man. Get on the- up. Get on up. You got pants on, Pat? Yeah. Take them off. It's cold in here. I'm a good judge of character, Mr. Pat, Mr. Samson. You have what the Greeks call (laughs) brassles. Yes. Jason, are you still on For Your Eyes Only? That movie was so average. Oh, my God. Stop. You go burn in hell, man. You know what? You just set your double O license back two weeks, Justin. (laughs) 
was worth it. No, we can do this. Okay. That's awfully nice of you, Delvin. You're the last person I would have thought you'd been like, let's go. Come on. Come on. I was like, hell no. I'm going to kick your trivia sick boy. <laughs> <laughs> like that Chappelle show. I don't feel good. I don't feel Pick good. Pick up them sticks. <laughs> Pick up them sticks. <laughs> <laughs> We all set, Pat? You peppy? Uh, Let's see. That's better. You need to channel your inner Orloff, that actor. Yeah. What? General Never. Orloff. We have Jared is decadent. Divisions in Czechoslovakia. And another three. That, that dude is <laughs> angry. He <laughs> some issues. You know, Pat, I realized I have the ability to mute anyone since I'm the winner of this call. I can mute Jason right now. I will defend this song. Done. (laughs) (laughs) He's still singing. (laughs) Before I was only. And, you know, the funny part is, I don't think I can unmute him. Jason has to unmute himself. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I'm tears. <laughs> I shouldn't have told him that. He's still muted. So, Jason, what? <laughs> finish this line. You know what? While we're Spotted. At- <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. It lets, you, it lets me mute him, but it won't let me unmute him. There's no way you could memorize that whole speech, but you give us your favorite parts if you want. <laughs> Never! The West is decadent and corrupt. They don't have the stomach to risk our nuclear reprisals. <laughs> Getting more. <laughs> I'm trying to look because I, I actually wrote down like some of the <laughs> some of the salient points some, in the plan. Some of the salient. <laughs> oh, yeah, including eleven tank divisions. <laughs> Czechoslovakia <laughs> and another twenty. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. I don't remember all the numbers. All I remember is he was into it, and then once he got shut down, he he sat down like a little child and gave his pounding face like a four year old. But tomorrow, I will be a hero in this podcasting union. (laughs) (laughs) Collapse. Collapse. There you go. All I wanted was to be Pat for an hour or two. And no way to the things I've done. <laughs> and we dance into the fire. is all we need. Dance into the fire. It's a piece to a And that's a wrap for this episode of Longbox Crusade Elseworlds. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll see you around the alternate dimensions in the future. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. 
please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-99. You will not regret it.